Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation today because this is such a big topic, and I'm really excited to dive in with an expert. We have Victoria Magruder joining us today. She founded Finn Powered Female with the mission to educate and empower individuals to take ownership over their financial lives so they can find balance between living well today and building wealth tomorrow. She has over 13 years of financial and tax planning experience and has helped hundreds of individuals and families navigate their finances. Victoria left the number one wealth management team in the country in 2020. She felt a calling to impact more people's lives and wanted more people to have access to financial guidance and resources. We are so grateful for this. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you inviting me to to join you. I'm really excited to be here and Um, I'm always, you know, obviously willing to collaborate with other women entrepreneurs and better yet women looking to help other women elevate their personal and professional lives. I think it's a great, a great mission. Um, and I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great fit for sure. Um, before we started recording, I was just sharing that myself and so many of my clients, this just money conversation, financial empowerment, it's a big one. It's a personal one. It's a vulnerable one. And it happens to be my favorite subject. I love talking about money and finances. This was not always the case. Um, as Katie, my head of operations will tell you, I used to cry on every finance call. Um good or bad. It just would bring stuff up. And I have since, you know, really dealt with a lot of this, but, um, I'm just grateful to have this talk and ask you some deeper questions about this. And before we do though, I'd love for you to just share a little bit more of your journey. Um, anything that feels important to share before we really drop into who you are, what you do, what you do, why you do what you do. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, part of your story that, you want to share with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, part of my journey and part of my story right now is I'm a mom of two uh toddler boys. So if you can sense from my voice, um, you know, the lack of sleep and um trying to get their attention, uh, you can hear it in my voice right now. But um, so my journey, honestly, like you said, I've been in the business for um over 13 years now. And Um, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And honestly, at the time, all of the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I got, you know, six or seven licenses to be able to, um, advise people, wealthy individuals specifically in the world of money. Um, and I was really good at what I did. I'm really good at what I do. Um, but I, what I found is that every, every step that I took and every job that I took got better and better. And then I finally landed, you know, uh, you know, uh, that was about six years ago, seven or no, even more than that now, seven years ago, I landed a job at the top uh, number one wealth management team in the country. I was working with the dream team. I was working with dream leadership. I, uh, you know, loved my bosses. Uh, I loved my clients. I loved what I was doing and it still didn't feel right. I still didn't feel like I was in the right place. I had this calling to, to do something on my own, which was such a frustrating, um, I would say place for me to be at that time because I was where I thought I always wanted to be. Mm. Um, and, and in that, in, I honestly like felt like I was going through somewhat of a divorce with myself when I decided to leave because 
um, two reasons. Two, there's a, a number of reasons why I left, but the two main reasons were one, like I want to be more present for my family mm-hmm. uh, because I I do get so invested in my clients' lives that I'm not caring about my own as much as I want to. Um, and then the second piece of it was that um, I, I just I want to control my time. Mm-hmm. I want to control my life. If I'm going to work this hard, I want it to be for me. Um, and 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 that's kind of you know again like I you know I I worked in Manhattan I always wanted the corporate office overlooking Central Park type of thing and then you know I kind of had a view from the top and I said you know what maybe I don't want this anymore I actually mm-hmm. don't think I want this I've worked so hard for it and now that I'm I see it in the distance um, it's actually not what I was looking for and I, it's not what I thought it would be and entrepreneurship is is what is calling me I want to you know, I want to decide who I'm working with. I want to decide my mission. I want to continue to grow. I want to work hard um, for me and my family. And I want to be able to go to my kids' soccer games at 2 p.m. or drive them to jujitsu, you know, at one o'clock in the afternoon, if that's, you know, where my life is taking me. And so um, that's when, you know, three years ago I left and then uh, was pregnant with my second son and was going to start my entrepreneurial journey right after that. And then COVID happened. So I became a stay-at-home mom for 18 months, which I had no intention of of doing. And I am so grateful for that pause in my life. Um, It put a lot of things into perspective for me. And I think there's a lot of power behind the pause. Um, And it drove me to kind of where I am today and gave me the, I would say the courage and the, um, the time to really think about what I wanted to do next. And here we are with Empowered Female. So. I mean, thank you for sharing all that. I have so many questions, um, (laughs) but I just am really grateful that you shared that because I think a lot of people would have trouble leaving that situation or even really acknowledging that it wasn't all it was cracked up to be because we work so hard. We put so much into it, time, resources, money, energy. And of course it's all leading somewhere, but in those like pivotal moments, it can feel like we're taking a step back. And I want to talk to you first um, before we get into some of the deeper money stuff around that pause Because I find that for type A sort of mission driven, um, go, go, go type personalities that can feel like failure or a setback and you are actually forced, it sounds like with COVID and, you know, postpartum to, to take that pause. But it's something that I'm like, oh, wow, you know, the power and the pause. Can we talk more about that and how you help people through that pause or knowing when it's time to take a pause or like, talk to me about the power and the pause. Cause I'm feeling really like drawn to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I actually feel like I, I've done this twice in my life now in terms of where I've, I've noticed I'm not, you know, again, where I want to be and there needs to be a significant change in my life in mm-hmm. order to move in the direction that I want to go, even despite the fact that it might've been the path that I thought I was supposed to be on. And the first time it happened after my brother passed away when I was 25. Um, and again, I was like engaged, I was getting married and, um, you know, working, uh, where I was, uh, in DC and, um, my brother passed away and I decided I took six months off and I was like, you know, listen, fiance, who I'm now married with, you know, it still ended positive. Um, I was like, listen, I've always dreamed of going to New York city. Like I'm, I, again, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I need to take some time off. Um, and I need to, I need to go follow my dream, you mm-hmm. know, moving to New York city. I want to live there. That's, I want to be a part of it. Right. I want to be a part of New York city. So that was like one pause in my life that was very necessary for me to heal. Um, and f- for me to continue to move in the direction of my life that I wanted to go. And this second pause, um, kind of to your point was relatively unintentional. Um, but it was a, a beautiful uh, time in my life that I'm still a part of. I still, I would say, am very much a stay-at-home mom. My kids are only in part-time preschool. Um, and to your point, it is super challenging. It is super challenging for a type A go-getter, motivated, highly motivated uh, woman to um, to take a step back from that career. Or not even take a step back. Take a, take a pause. pause or slow down. Yeah. Slow down. So tell it's me, very what, what does one do? in a pause. 
Because when I'm thinking about this, I too am in a place in my life. I just had a baby. And to be honest, I'm not in the place that I thought I was going to be. And if I am there by all like success measures, it doesn't feel how I wanted it to feel. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but the idea of taking a pause feels like almost shutting off my identity or like pausing momentum. I'm big on energy and momentum and, and just that idea of what would I even do? Who would I even be with time? Because I don't have it. And just, you know, what, would you suggest if somebody is in that state of like, er, like I need to take a step back or pause or slow down, like how to even begin doing something like that when you're just so used to like schedule jam-packed days? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, honestly, the way that I, I very much embraced where I was and, and I think in, in, in hindsight, COVID forced me to do that. And so, right. you know, COVID was, was awful for many reasons, but for me, like personally, it forced me to be, there was nowhere for me to be right. There was nowhere for me to go. There was, I was not missing out on anything. There was no momentum to continue because right. right, Like the, everything, everyone had slowed down. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, I would even say it was easier for me in that moment to pause. But what I think if I reflect back on that time and even now, because I struggle with it now, because I would still say I'm not, my kids are not in a full-time program. I still am choosing to keep them home more because I want to. Um, but in turn, that means I'm not working as much as I want to be. I'm not doing all the things that I want to do from a professional standpoint. But um, in terms of the pause, like I think what's really important is to, it's kind of a time for you to like re-energize your creativity Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a really, uh, like, I think wonderful time to, to go to like, go back to the drawing board and identify the things that really, um, make you feel happy, that bring you joy, that make you feel alive, that, um, help you improve. Like, those are kind of the things, like, if I look back on that time in terms of the things that I did for myself, it was not being productive in the typical sense that I would be like, oh, I'm I'm doing all the things, right? I'm right, checking off right. all the boxes. Like, I'm so good, right? At my job or whatever it is. It was um, living a healthy lifestyle. It was like reading more books. It was um, being more intentional with my time, being more present with my kids. It was... Um, it was just trying very hard to be like in that moment and yeah. bettering myself and not necessarily bettering my career or bettering my, um, you know, my clients' lives or bettering someone else. It was very much, you know, obviously my kids. And then it was me. It's like, how can I focus on me? I think that's really profound what you just said. So I want to repeat it. And that is bettering yourself versus bettering your business or bettering your clients' lives. And I think when we're just so used to that mindset of, you know, even last week I was having like, I'm having some postpartum depression and it really comes out of nowhere, really can't control it. I'm very controlling. So I'm like, at least can I control when this happens? And I was like pausing my breakdown to send an email. Like I was still putting, like my mental health was like that, like bad, 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 bad. And I'm still prioritizing the work versus myself. So that micro shift of bettering yourself versus bettering your business. I think that's really powerful for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, because I know that, and this is the next thing I wanted to ask you about how that transition went for you from going from nine to five to entrepreneurship. Um, I come across a lot of clients who are making that transition. They want to quit their nine to five, solopreneurship, entrepreneurship, small business. You have a calling, you have a gift, you want to launch it out into the world. But I've noticed I've actually never had like a standard nine to five. I, um, at least not in the last decade. And so there's certain mindset things that I notice when people are sort of making that shift um, about filling their time, right? And just like a lot of interesting 
sort of things come up, especially around money, which I want to get to because you don't have that salary, right? You have what I call the mavericks of entrepreneurships. You have these big financial months and then these really like low tides, right? The highs and, and lows, the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. Of entrepreneurship. Sure. And yeah. I personally love and hate it, but mm-hmm. I know nothing else. So I would love to hear because I know there are so many people that are in that transition now that are listening to this that have just made that transition, that have a dream of making that transition, what that was like and how you support people now doing that. Yeah. So I, I think the the transition from nine to five to entrepreneurship, um, it's been kind of like what we just said. It's been a roller coaster ride um, of emotions. I think there's, there's certainly... Um, there's certainly elements to the nine to five that are wonderful in that like this, the security blanket, the consistency, the honestly, like the ability to say, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And like, I, right. Like now I'm done. And I think entrepreneurship, which is a plus and a minus in my opinion, like that you, you're never stopping. You're never, it's never done. It's never over. You could always be better. You could always do more. And I think, um, I think you, as a new entrepreneur, um, it's really easy to get burnt out because of that, because you I see that a lot too. Yeah. People who jump from the nine to five to entrepreneurship, the burnout happens like faster almost. Um, and it's this huge shift of like, when is it enough? When is it done? And being somebody who is like so productive and successful, have you found it harder creating like a work-life balance now that you're back in entrepreneurship? Because it's almost like, I mean, with nine to five, right? You said like, you're done, it's done. Um, and that's never a thing. And I've even hired people that have like come from the nine to five world and uh, the structure is different. Everything's different, but the mindset is the same. And they're like unavailable after five o'clock and a client needs, I'm like, guys, <laughs> like we, yeah. you know, that's not, we're not a nine to five anymore. Like we have to, yeah. you know, respond or at least, you know, be available. It's just you and you. And yeah. so has it been lonely working on your own versus coming from a team? Like I would love to just hear, you know, and also the benefits of of going from nine to five to entrepreneurship, because I see a lot of them, but I would love to hear from you who's like done successfully done both. Like you had a successful nine to five career and now you have a successful entrepreneurship career and just what that's what that's doing for you, like emotionally, mentally, spiritually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think in terms of like your reference to like work-life balance, um, I would say I don't really have a strong work-life balance, but I, um, but I also at the same time feel like I own my time. Like I don't, I'm making a choice. So, uh, you know, I'm making a choice to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm making a choice to work until midnight because I wanted to hang out with my kids from like one to seven. Right. So I, I, I do feel like I'm working harder and more than I ever have, um, but I'm okay with that because I love to work. Um, and it's when I want to, right. It's not somebody telling me I have to at a specific time. It's not when it works for you. It's like, it's when it works for me. Um, and you know, I, I I do have to rein it in a little bit. And I recognize that because I, I, you know, I don't want to get burnt out and I, I understand like I, (laughs) you know, I can't, work like this all of the time. And that's a problem that I do have is that I, I do have to rein myself in. I am trying to, to uh, figure out like quote unquote office hours in my, like, you know, where I'm, you know, the kids are somewhere else and I am here and nobody's to bother me type of thing. But, um, you know, that, that it, that it's a struggle for me, but at the same time, it's a choice that I'm making and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. But in terms of being lonely, I feel like I don't know. I I loved working with a team, but I also, I'm like, I'm a worker. Like I love to work. And like, I almost sometimes found that the team structure was super uh, distracting. I loved the collaboration. I loved learning from people that I miss a thousand percent, but I don't miss like the corporate um, distractions, you know? Um, And I feel like I get those like you know, I'm, I'm talking to one-on-one clients, right? So I'm getting that social interaction. Like I'm talking with people, I'm helping them. I'm building those relationships, but I'm not like being distracted by the like, um, you know, let's go get coffee at three o'clock. And it like turns into like a 90 minute, you know, walk down the Manhattan streets. 
Right. Um, right. Right. Um, yeah. But- it's really interesting. Um, all that you're sharing about this and thank you, because it sounds like you're still very much in that transition. Like you're still figuring it out. And I like talking yeah. to people there because it's not black and white, right? There's this like gray area of figuring it out. And I really relate to what you're saying because I love work. And I just recently realized that I work to literally mask my anxiety. My therapist was like, well, when do you get like the most anxious? Right. And it's like, well, when I sit down at the end of the day and I stop working. And so it actually perpetuates that like toxic productivity because I keep working to turn it off. So like you said, like there's a, there's a balance to it that we each have to find as individuals. And, and I think that's really important to say, because for somebody else, it could look like we work too much and we're on the road to burnout and that very well be maybe true, but I love it, you know? And I remember even when I was working in LA, I've always loved my job. So I feel like I really you know, we're aligned in that way is wherever I was at the time, I loved it. And then I didn't and I switched. And so when I was living in LA, I was working like hundred hour weeks, um, for this crazy TV producer. And I remember having like this quote on my desk and it just said, I work because I love this shit. And like, it's never been about the money. Right. And as I'm growing a business and healing my relationship with money, which I want to get into, obviously I've learned so much and now I love money and the energy of it and financial wealth is so exciting to me. The topic of investing is exciting to me, but at the end of the day, I'm not doing this for money. And I think that's really the thing about entrepreneurship is you're listening to a calling because you love this thing. And now all of a sudden you're making money doing the thing that you love and it's so exciting. Why wouldn't you want to keep going until midnight? Why wouldn't you? You're aligned. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a true alignment with like your time and your purpose. And on top of that, you get to make money from it. And I think, um, you know, not as much, not that many people can like have that kind of alignment and that, that fulfillment. Um, and I feel really grateful for it. And now I think what's shifted is motherhood and instead of working until seven o'clock, I want to go do bath time, which is like a crazy thing as a workaholic or call it what you will. Somebody who has no problem sitting up here, working, collaborating, fixing, launching, planning, producing, whatever. Now it's like, I want to be in two, I want to be in two places at once. And I think that's sort of the place I am. It's not like I would rather be working or I would rather be, you know, on the beach with Kathy. Obviously I'd rather be on the beach with my daughter, but I would be thinking about getting back to work and an idea that I have. And so, you know, balancing those two things and being in the middle of it, um, I think is really important. And I'm just grateful that you named that because I think for a lot of people, it can feel wrong or, I don't know. There's just like mom guilt, which is everywhere right now. Totally. Well, you just, like you said, you want to be at two places at once. And I think that, um, we can't be right. And so it's, it's, it's having to like re-engineer and structure your life, um, and design your life in a way that you can maximize your time with both. Right. Um, and optimize your time with both. And that's where I feel like, I think entrepreneurship is very, you know, flexible in that way that like, you know, like I said, like I am able to now work first thing in the morning or way late at night so that I can hang out with my kids. And again, that's a choice that I make. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, it, it, you know, entrepreneurship, it's, it's a roller coaster ride and it's, um, it's add on motherhood and it gets, you know, even a little bit more messy and a little bit more bumpy, but, um, it's, a in my opinion, a really beautiful, like opportunity to, to design your life exactly the way that you want to, um, and not let it design your life for you. Like, I I love the way that you're, you're still in control. And I think sometimes with entrepreneurship, it can feel like you've given up control or, you know, you've sort of built a prison around yourself in certain ways. And I hear this a lot from women who are feeling burnt out. And at the same time, even when I'm feeling burnt out, I still have all these ideas. Right. And so it's just really about that. So I was like, what do I do in the sacred pause or in the power of the pause? What does one do? And I think re-energy 
energizing your creativity and realigning with what brings you joy. It's all really valuable. And I just appreciate you sharing your journey to get here because now we're here and we are doing all things financial wellness. And this is as always a perfect uh, time for me because I'm making a lot of big financial decisions. One, you'll totally understand. I'm switching from cash accounting to accrual accounting, which (laughs) basically (laughs) means my schemes are over. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so I'm learning a lot right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things though, that I think is this huge overarching thing that has come up that I'm like very willing to name and share is the effects that my financial wellness or lack thereof um, is having on my relationships and my personal life and my self-worth and this kind of stuff. And just the impact that our finances has on all the other areas of our lives. And I was hoping we could start there and drop in there before we get into some specifics and just with when you're working with people, what kind of impact you're seeing? What are you talking about when you say this? Because it's something I've recently realized that, you know, the the dollar amount in my bank account is definitely having an effect on me, my choices, my life, my health, my relationships. And I'm aware of that, but I don't know how to shift it. So I first want to name it and have you start there and then talk about some of the work that you do around this specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to your point, I mean, your finances is a huge major driver of, um, of overall, like I would say happiness, um, uh, not because of a dollar amount in a bank account, in my opinion, but the ability for it to, um, for you to utilize money in a way to live out a life that you love. And I think money drives almost every single decision that we make or what we don't make, right? And for that reason, I'm always surprised when people don't take a specific interest in it. Um, you know, a lot of people view it more as a chore or as a task, but as as opposed to this incredible opportunity to direct your money in a way to live out your best life. Um, And I think one of the biggest things that I, in terms of when I work with clients in helping them navigate kind of like how to move forward or how to um, kind of, I would say, build better money habits or build a better relationship with money um, is number one, to build awareness around, which it sounds like you have gotten on that path where you are very financially aware now at this point, but I think building awareness around your money, where your, where your money is coming from, where is it going and building that kind of connection between, um, your spending and your priorities, because that is what our, our, that's, that's basically what spending is. It's a reflection of what you're currently prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And I think, if you don't have a handle on where your money is going, um, it's going to be very difficult for you to make the changes necessary to build a better financial foundation and better financial life. So building awareness is really important. And I think that the second piece is, um, is understanding that, um, like I know you mentioned, you know, it is about like the dollar sign in your bank account. Um, But I think if you can restructure your mindset to focus more on, the goals that you have, like what the money is supposed to be for, um, and how you're, you know, utilizing it to reach that goal, how you, what you are setting up and what you are doing to reach that goal that you say you want is so much, is such a better, I would say, like thought process to have around your money, as opposed to, I need to have X amount to feel Mm -hmm. good, but it's more like, I need to, um, like, I need to have X amount to be able to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Get specific. Right. To get yeah. specific. Yeah, exactly. Like the why, the why behind it. And you need to ask yourself why more than once, right? Like I want to, if you're in debt, like I want to get out of debt. Why? why? Well, because I don't want to keep paying. I don't want to keep paying this bill every single month. Why? Why? Well, because if I stop paying this bill, then I'll be able to utilize this money to go on a vacation with my husband that we've always wanted to go on, you know, our whole lives, right? It's like, you have to dig mm-hmm. a little bit deeper into your, um, into the things that you want. Um, and it will, in my opinion, drive a much healthier relationship with money, um, around opportunity and not like sacrifice. Yeah, that's really helpful. And supportive. Thank you for that. I, um, 
couldn't help but think about like just what the why, the why, the why, right? Like it's not about the dollar in the bank account. It's always something deeper. And I think for so many years, like especially the boomers were so conditioned to not talk about money and to not talk about this relationship with money to the point where like even until a few years ago, I hadn't like spoken to my dad about investing or savings or just all of this stuff that's like so important. And for me, it wasn't that I wasn't interested in the conversation. I was so afraid that it came out as like disinterest. Like there was so much fear. I was almost like hands off either my husband or my COO manage it. Like, I don't want to know instead of leaning in. And what happens was they made decisions that I didn't know about. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, now I want to be involved and now I want to lean in. And it's been a really beautiful experience, but to your point, when I used to have finance calls and to be honest, sometimes I still do depending on whether it's low or high, the amount I still get emotional. Like it's actually not about that. And what I've come to find is it's about feeling safe for me Yeah. and money equals safety. So mm-hmm. if I know where my money's coming from in 90 days from now, I'm still like safe in my nervous system. My husband, he doesn't feel that way. He has this really beautiful outlook on life that the money is always going to come. We're always going to figure it out and it's always going to work out. It always has and it always will. But I wish I believed that. I wish I embodied that. But it was actually our therapist who named that, that our relationship to money, we're not like having a financial problem. We both have a financial, like a different relationship to money and what it means in our lives. And so when you can get to that, why, like, why am I mad that we didn't hit this goal? No, I don't think you're a failure. No, I don't think this, I don't feel safe now. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing is I can't make you feel safe. Right. And so once I realized that is like my why for money is having a certain amount in savings allows me to feel safe, take those bigger risks, hire the people I want to hire, do that kind of stuff. And in order to do that, I need to look at where I'm spending because what my dad always says is we can't control how much we make, but we can control how much we spend. And I think for somebody with spending habits, will say me with bad spending habits, that's really like, that feels really scary. And it brought up a lot of resistance. And now I'm like every month, what are our subscriptions? What can we cancel? What can we do? And so like crossing that hump, I want to invite everyone listening. You know, I know a lot of people that I talk to and clients have a really good handle on it. They're really empowered financially, but a lot of people don't even know their quarterly goals or their yearly goals or their minimum monthly spend, how much they have to make each month to keep the lights on. And it's these like basics that I have learned over the last year. Now I'm really excited about it. And I have found that just by leaning in, I make more money without changing anything. Do you find that in your work? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could, you could uh, use that approach to your personal financial life, your professional financial life. The more you mind your money, the more money seems to, you know, make its way to you. It's just the bottom line. It, it, that's, um, I'm glad that you said that because it is so true. The more that you, um, like prioritize your financial wellness, and that doesn't necessarily mean like you're making these grand changes, Right. right? It just means you're paying attention. And when you pay attention, it's going to pay. And you know, I love all your way. sayings. I want to be writing all of this down. You're, <laughs> you've got such good little sayings. I want to put them in sticky notes across my mirror because I think for me, money is such a mindset. It's such a state of being. And if you're coming from a place of scarcity and lack, that's what you're going to see. And I think, you know, I'm very spiritual and such a believer in like our thoughts are a projection and that is our life. And I think there's no area that this is more obvious than with money. And when we are thinking from a place of scarcity, from a place of lack, nobody will want this. I was talking to a client earlier and she was like, it feels like an ask more than an offering, you know? And I'm like, ah, like let's work on that. Let's go back because the offer, like what you're doing is so valuable. It's so amazing. So I want to talk about some of the like limiting beliefs that are coming up for people that you're seeing just around like how we can break through this also just like supporting other women in business, because I was saying before we started, I have a lot of men clients and I hate to generalize like this, but I'm going to just for the sake of this question, because 
in my experience in the past two years, the men that I work with do not have this issue with charging, invoicing, late feeing, raising their prices. Anytime it's asking for money, not a problem. When I try and have my female clients raise their prices or make a big investment, it's like a personal, it's like heavy personally. And when I hear you speak about it, even your journey, there's a lightness to it. It's like very matter of fact, and you've managed to like remove the the prana or like sort of not make it so heavy. And it's just like, mind your money and you'll get, you know, it's like, it's simple stuff, but we make it so heavy and we relate our personal worth, especially as entrepreneurs, when we're charging X amount, then we relate it to our, our own worth and just these limiting beliefs that come up. And what are some of the big ones that you see and how can we start to help each other name it a, but then like break through it? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think Listen, I think one of the, I have been, um, like I said, in this industry a really long time, and I cannot tell you how many times women will come to me and say, uh, this is, this is going to be a really stupid question. You know, Mm. I don't have enough money to do that. Oh, like my husband's just so much better. He just knows this stuff so much more than me. I, you know, like, no, like I, I would never be able to make that much. Like it is. I mean, I always have to like come through like, you know, across the table to my client or through Zoom. And I'm like, listen, you know, you have to you have to believe in yourself or dream bigger than mm-hmm. that, because, um, you know, it, it's just a lot of the things you're saying just simply aren't even true. Even if I don't even look at you as an individual, if, you know, the the comment that this my husband's just better at this stuff or you know, my boyfriend just like knows this stuff better. I'm like, I'm sorry. No, no, he does not. He really doesn't. He might say it with a little bit more confidence than you do. Or he might know like that one thing like, oh yeah. Like for example, like, oh yeah, I'm invested in my 401k and I'm invested in this. That does right. not n- mean he knows anything about investing. Does not know that he, he, that he knows anything about financial planning. And I think, um, you know, it's that limiting belief that like they don't know enough um, to be able to do more. That is such, Um, thank you for naming it. That is such a big one is I don't know enough to invest or to know where to put my money. Even when you have the money, I have some friends that are really successful and they're wanting to like invest, create a portfolio, find properties, whatever. They're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. That's the limiting belief is I don't know. Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of like representation and like, um, like my field too, um, there's a lot of men. Um, and I think a lot of women are intimidated um, by working with, not intimidated might not be the right word, but like maybe not attracted to the idea of working with an, you know, quote unquote finance bro. Um, and, you know, a lot of finance bros are wonderful guys. There's nothing wrong with, you know, finance bros <laughs> or guys in the finance industry, but um, but we don't you know, feel women, that like connection, that connection. Yeah. yeah. Women want a lot of women want to work with other women and there's not that many women in this industry to turn to. Um, and that's, you know, partially why I'm here. And I noticed it when I was in the, the corporate world and on the team that I was on, I'm, I'm the only women in woman in the room ever. Wow. Um, but I think, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I would say is in order to be more confident with your finances to start being more confident in the way that you feel um, more confident in your belief system in yourself mm-hmm. as it relates to finances. The only way you're going to get there is if you educate yourself mm-hmm. in the world of personal finances. It really, um, it's important to educate yourself and it's important to find someone that you like and trust to guide you. Those are, in my opinion, um, or you know, part of educating, you have to take the time to learn, Um, you know, because we weren't taught this stuff in high school. Many of us did not, like you said, have these conversations with our parents growing up. And so we are starting from scratch and starting from square one when we're in our twenties and and maybe even in your thirties or forties. And it's important to kind of dive in um, and learn how best to educate yourself because it's going to be one of the only ways that you, you build that confidence. Yeah. I do think too, as entrepreneurs, 
not very many of us went to business school, right? Like I didn't go to business school. I didn't even take like math in college past like geometry or something. Like I commute, I was a communications and film major. And so I had this calling and I'm still using all these skill sets over the last 10 years. But the one skill set that I never learned was how to run a business. I'm amazing at marketing. I'm amazing at what my calling was, right? I know how to do these like specific things really well. And yet, as we go to expand, this idea of financial wellness comes into play. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, why don't I know this information? And why didn't I learn this sooner? And how can we help people understand this at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey, right? Like if I had understood a monthly minimum spend five years ago, I would not be where I am right now in this like loan debt cycle, right? That we're trying to get out of. And so I just think education and there is so many there are so many resources out there. You host a monthly masterclass exactly on this topic. And I want you to share more about that. But I think that just taking the initiative to educate yourself. I have people, I have Katie, who's on my team, who everyone on this podcast knows. She's really good. If I like ask her to explain it again, I don't feel, I think that's what you said. Like, I don't feel stupid asking her. I asked her to have to find that person. Yeah. Take my like yearly revenue and put it in a pie chart for me and color code it. So I could clearly see like just from one shot where it was coming from. And that changed so much for me. But if you don't have somebody that you can trust or ask the questions to, it feels really like out of reach. And so I think that we're just talking to so many people that are in this position. And I just know that it can feel from my own personal experience, like there's no way out. Um, And it's just this cycle that you can't get out of. But all I did was talk to a couple experts, talk to a mentor, my dad being one of them, who was like this incredible CFO, CEO, but I wanted to do it my own way and like not ask for support. It's like, what are we doing? We have this stickiness around money specifically. And oh, completely. Yeah. It's so funny to me. And like, I finally ask and he's like, oh, this is happening because you're doing cash accounting. And I'm like, there's another way. Like, You're what? like, wait a second. Like, yeah. where, where and were so you the, the willingness to learn and the willingness to lean in, I think is really all you need um, oh, to get started. Oh, absolutely. On this. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it's like you, you know, like you said, you're great at marketing. You look like that's your, that's your bread and butter, right? My bread and butter is money. Right. And so my uh, something that I would lean uh, that I do lean into that I buy courses for is understanding how to better market myself. Right. Right. right? Because it doesn't come naturally to me. And so I lean in to other experts and other people that I like and trust to be like, help me help me understand how to do this in a way and, you know, present my information in a way. Um, that isn't just throwing out information at people, but making them feel something and making them want, like uh, making them understand that they, they do need me, right? Like, it's not just, you know, you know, you can't just have this, if I build it, they will come, um, attitude, like you need to, you know, present it in a way that's attractive for people to, to come to you. Um, and that's what I struggle with. Right. So I think it's important you know, as a business owner to understand too, like you, I think it's important to have a hand in everything to some capacity, especially in the beginning, you have to, but then you do have to, and I don't know what, how you feel about this, but I do think you do need to let go of some things, not let go to the point where you're not paying attention, but you need to let go to the extent where it's like, let experts and other people help guide you and educate you on your options. Mm-hmm. And you from there, somebody like streamlines your options and you understand like which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like also important too. It's just like finding a good team to, you yeah. know, as a business owner. No, I totally agree with that. You know, I always like to hire people who are better at me than the thing and then trust them to do the thing. But as a CEO to, you know, be the vision, steer the ship and write, you know, course correct when we need to and look at the bigger picture and the bigger picture is always going to involve finances. You know, it's this sticky thing that we are all in a relationship with and it can be such a beautiful thing. It can be so impactful. And I have two last questions for you. One, I realized in talking to you because I'm a verbal processor, 
one of my biggest limiting beliefs, and I'm going to name it, and that is I need to be working in order to earn. And I think a lot of us have this, like I have to sacrifice to gain. And the idea of investing feels so outrageous to me because I'm like, you mean I could not have to work or sleep and have my money work for me? And I think that mindset shift, like, can you talk to that shift of like hourly, even though I'm not on hourly, right? That's not how I work, but still the idea of like, it's a limiting belief. I know that I need to show up and work hard or sacrifice. Like even if I'm on vacation, sometimes I feel like I have to prove to, I don't know who that I'm still working, that I'm still enough. Right. And so how do we help people like walk me through this real time? Like, what would you say if somebody's ready to invest or wants to invest, but you like recognize this limiting belief? Yeah, I think um, that's, that's such a great question. I think um, I think we all we all were raised that way in some capacity, mm-hmm. right? That we have to exchange our time for money. Um, and I think uh, the second that you realize that's not the case, um, a whole new world opens up for you, right? Because like when you think about it, you're like, if you don't invest, like you're likely going to be working until you know maybe not the day that you die, but like close there too, right? And I think. Um, investing, whether that be in uh, uh, the stock market, whether it be in rental real estate, whether it be in passive business ownership, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity for you to create streams of income where you are not exchanging your time for it, right? Um, and not what to a the concept. extent where it's, right? <laughs> and I think it, the second that you realize that, that it's, it's you having to prioritize investing in income-producing assets. If you invest your money in things that will then create and generate a return for you over time without, again, without having to exchange a lot of your time for money, you're setting yourself up for so much success in the future and giving yourself that opportunity to be financially free, mm-hmm. to not ha- to be work optional, right? That's what I would say. It's like the reason wow. to invest is so that you can become work optional. And again, for me, that just means like, I mean, like probably means nothing because I'm going to always work in some capacity. Because, because we I love, love it, it though. And it's yeah. it's an option. It's a choice. Yes. Right? But I, again, making the choice to do. And I think that's what investing offers you is the choice. And if you don't invest, you are always going to have to create an environment where you're one to one. Like here's right. my time and here's my money. Whereas the more that you invest on the side over here on streams of, you know, on assets that are providing you an income stream, the less and less you'll have to exchange your time. And um, that's what we all want is freedom that's of time, right? a beautiful shift. So yeah. I think, um, you know, it, it, the more that you identify ways to create those income streams where you're not exchanging your time, the better off, um, the better off you'll be. And this is what you help people do. So before (laughs) you share how you can help us, I just have a couple more questions. Um, the, The last one was actually my first question. And then we just got into it. And that is financial wellness. Like, what does this actually mean? We hear financial freedom. We hear financial wellness. Like in your personal opinion for yourself and for your clients, how do you define financial wellness? Financial wellness to me is being at a point in your life where you are, you understand where your money is, where it's coming from, where it's going. You're being intentional about what you're doing with it and you're optimizing what what you have and where you are today, right? Mm -hmm. And financial wellness is not like a dollar figure. It's not, you know, it's not a certain salary. It's not a number in your bank account. It is knowing that you're doing everything that you can with your money today um, to live well today and set yourself up for tomorrow. I think that's really important for entrepreneurs, especially because when you work a nine to five, it's sort of like baked into the system. You have a 401k, taxes are taken out. Like a lot of this is almost like taken care of for you. It's idiot proof in a lot of ways, but as an entrepreneur, right? I see a big cash flow come in. I mean, you're gonna gasp when I tell you what I wanted to do last week, but 
I worked for this guy a really long time ago and he recently passed away. He was really old at the time. So he was really old when he passed away and they were shutting everything down and turns out I had a 401k in there. And so they had to transfer it to me. And when I saw the amount, I was like, well, can I just take this right now? Like, what's the fine? And Katie, my dad, Clay, they were like, no, <laughs> like, oh, <yeah>. no. <laughs> to me, that cash flow today as an entrepreneur, it's like, do you know what I could invest that in? Who I could hire? What I could do? So I think for me, it's really about finding that balance in like investing today for like that immediate reward or that immediate cash flow, but it's also like keeping me in that same level and that same game. Like I'm not reaching the next level, which allows me to like have this choice and invest. So, so many big takeaways, but that was a big one for me. It's just like, when they were like, no way. I'm like, but I, I'm not 70. I need it. Like, yeah, I'm like, ready for it now. And like, also like, I'll, be, I'll be a millionaire <laughs> at 70. She doesn't need it, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like finding that balance and what your advice would be for entrepreneurs versus like, you know, cash flow investing, like how to really manage that mindset of like immediate ROI. Yeah. I think um, that's such a good point. And, you know, that like, not like YOLO mentality, but like, yeah, like there's so much that I can do today. I, there's a couple of different types of people, to be honest. There's a lot of people that only prioritize the future. And I have to talk to those people about being like, listen, like you're going to be okay. Like we're going to, we need to have some joy from our money today because you're like, you do need to find the joy today in it. And that's really important. Then you have people who are, you know, the YOLO mentality who, don't care about the future at all, don't think about it and just want to maximize what they have today. There is a balance to be had in the middle and there ha- you have to find it because it the likelihood of us all living until we're 65 plus, it's probably, you know, it's pretty likely, right? Like it's pretty likely that we all are going to reach an age where we are no longer, again, exchanging our time for money. And so we will need you know, I'm going to be pretty upset with myself when I'm 65, if I didn't prioritize that 65 year old and I'm living a lifestyle Mm -hmm. that I am, you know, uh, you know, I'm not living the lifestyle that I want to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, when I worked all of these years for it. Um, but then again, I, so you have to balance and create short-term and long-term goals. It's really, really important because you can't just commit to long-term. They're not sustainable. Um, if you're only looking, you know, 15, 30 years from now, out like down the road, you have to combine like short-term financial goals within 12 to 20, you know, 12 to 36 months. And you have to create, and then you have to prioritize the future too. And what the future is, the future is not like, Oh, like I want to have, you know, whatever amount by 75, but it's instead of looking at the dollar amount and the age, you identify again, that like work optional. It's like, I get, if the more I put here, the, the earlier I will get to retire, the earlier I will be work optional. And I think mm-hmm. when you kind of flip that switch that like, oh, that means I won't have to work as long, right? The earlier that I invest, the less money that I have to put towards my future and my money just starts working for me. You're like, okay, I get it. Like, I right. It. So I, but there is a balance we had. You have to, you have to, um, you have to have short-term goals too, because you won't. So that's so true. Um, My sister-in-law is, we're like the most different people. We married two brothers. And so we would have like never met out in the world. We're just too different. We would have never crossed paths. And we joke because she sees me as like this impulse person. Like she was appalled one day we were trying on clothes and I tried this shirt on and I ripped the tag off because I knew I was going to buy it. And (laughs) she was like, what? Like the look on her face, like she still tells that story. I like ripped it off in the dressing room so I could hand them the the thing to scan, right? Because I was just like, I'm wearing this out. I freaking love it. This is what I wanted. (laughs) And she couldn't believe it. And then she has so many credit card points. She doesn't spend her credit card points. And I'm just like, that's what they're for. Like, what are you saving these for? Like you could go to Hawaii for two weeks and it's just this mindset shift. And if we could just meet in the middle, right. And I think that's where the success in all of this lies. And it's just so funny, but I appreciate you speaking to that other energy because that's very true. And, you know, somebody prioritizing like 
10, 20, 30 years from now only, like then like you're not living today and you're letting it, you're still being controlled by it in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. So either way, you know, we have to find a balance. Oh, this has been so good. I've gotten so much out of this. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to join your masterclass. Um, Before you share about that, I just have two quick rapid fire questions um, that I love to ask at the end. And the first one is, what you're reading right now or a book recommendation that you have? Um, so right now I'm reading Atomic Habits. Um, oh, love Atomic Habits. James yeah, I, I, this actually my, I think it's my third time reading yeah. it. I just like, I, sometimes I just, you know, I, I have to like get back in a groove and I'm like, again, like going back to the why I'm like, why? Like I notice like there are things that need to change right now um, with certain like habits or I'm working too much or whatever. And it's all about like, yeah, my habits, waking up early, working That's out. That's a good like one. Healthy. I'll definitely link that one in the show notes. Yeah, because... Atomic Habits is so good. And then yeah. 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth is a uh, book recommendation 15? for sure. 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by okay, John Maxwell. Great. Okay. I great. am obsessed with that book. I can't wait. Um, and then my last question is, when somebody comes to you, when somebody finds you, whether it's through this podcast or they want to hire you, what is your prayer for your dream customer now? What is sort of your wish and prayer for people that come into your world and experience you and the magic that you are? Oh, what a good question. Uh, I feel like honestly, I just want to, I want people to know that their life can be whatever it is that they want it to be. Like I, you know, that's really, all it comes down to. And I understand that money just plays such a significant role in our lives. And it is such an incredible stressor in people's lives. And it holds people back so much um, in so many different ways. Um, And I just want other people to gain the confidence to manage their money and master their money in a way that they can live out a life that they love. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's really it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how we can find you, what's coming up, the best place to find your resources, all the good stuff. Awesome. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram at at, uh, finpoweredfemale. Um, I have a financial blog on finpoweredfemale.com. One of the best ways to kind of learn from me, work with me right now for free. I have a free uh, money guide that you can get on my website. Um, that's a great place to start to build a solid financial foundation. And then I also have my monthly masterclass um, that's all about, um, it's called Secure Your Financial Freedom. And it's just all about um, investing and wealth building. So I do that on a monthly basis. You can sign up for it um, for free on my website. And um, right now, in terms of like working directly with me, the two ways to do that is through one-on-one coaching calls, which I'm starting to dial back on a little bit, unfortunately, because um, I'm I'm focusing a lot of those one-on-one calls through my course, and I have a, a course called Flex Your Finances, and it's a um, a wealth building accelerator course. So kind of takes like you through. You're like, doing just fine with your marketing and sales funnels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. It's been a Great. lot of a little a lot of work. A lot. Yeah, of work it's a lot of work. Here. Well, thanks for doing it, and I just appreciate you so much and your time. We'll definitely link Thank everything. You so much in the show notes for this. What a great conversation. I feel like I feel empowered. (laughs) I do. I'm like, how do I feel right now? I'm a little like anxious just about like the getting back into the, like what's coming in, what's going out, what's coming in, what's going out. I think my personal finances are what I'm going to tackle next. I've just been like, so in the business. Um, and I've actually, you know, the mindset shift too, that I had in this was I keep feeling like I keep feeling, oops, I keep feeling like I'm wasting my time sometimes obsessing over the finances. Like time feels like so important to me. And I'm like, I spent all day dealing with this when I could have been doing X, Y, and Z. But what I've realized right now is that's like really healthy. And that's what I need to be doing right now to get back in balance because for so many years, it wasn't my focus. And so Mm -hmm. it's okay if that's taking up a lot of time right now. And I just appreciate everything you said. And to everybody listening, I know you got so much out of this, so many little nuggets. I don't even know what the soundbite is going to be because there's such good stuff in here. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And um, I hope everyone like you said, gets a lot out of it. And I hope that they do feel financially empowered because it is, um, it's a game changer. It's It's a total game changer to feel financially empowered. So 
Um, if I can help anybody in that process, I am happy to do so. One at a time, right? One person at a time. That's always what I say with my clients. Just if yep. I can help one person today, yep. I will go to bed happy. Thank you guys. Thanks for everyone for listening to this and being on this journey. So grateful for you. And until next time, keep growing.